internet. Oh man, that feels good to say. That's been a long time since I've heard that. It's been a long time. Uh, welcome back to the 10 Things Podcast. Uh, sitting next to me, wearing a mask and six feet apart, Aaron Brooks. Hello, friend. We have all become Darth Vader. <laughs> That's very true. We've all, in our own weird way, we've always wanted to be Darth Vader, and now we all get to be Darth Vader. Yes. Um, I did see someone yesterday with a Vader mask on. Really? So. Was it like a real full? It was not the helmet. It was just the face mask, the face but mask. Yeah. it was good enough to know who it was. Um, well, welcome into the podcast, everybody. We have, obviously, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. We are not like some of the professional podcasters that you may follow that have all this equipment in everybody's homes, and uh, we have been limited, And uh, but we're back now. We are back. We're ready to talk about things. We're going to talk about 10 of them. 10 of them. Uh, and we are excited to be here. Um there's been a lot of stuff go on. It's been several handfuls of weeks since we've gotten to do this. Um, a lot's happened in the world. And hopefully, hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's not a train. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's 2020. It feels like it could be a train. <laughs> hopefully it's not, though. Speaking of 2020 and how things have gone... Uh, I read an article yesterday that said that NASA scientists in Antarctica have discovered a parallel universe where everything is completely opposite to ours. I thought this was some sort of like onion article at first, yeah. but this was a legit it's article. Real? Yeah. So, I mean, there we go. Welcome to 2020 again. So, <laughs> so in the parallel universe, 2020 is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like the best year ever. <laughs> you couldn't ask for anything better than 2020. Um, yeah, it's been a weird few months. Uh, how are you doing in quarantine, Aaron? How's life going? Uh, you know, I've always enjoyed playing games by myself, and I just interact as as all of the contestants on a game show. <laughs> or, you know, I, I used to play uh, baseball in the yard by myself, and people always thought it was very strange that I would do these things. Now it's just seen as normal. Yeah. So I just kind of blend in with everything now. <laughs> That's great. And you and you and Erica are usually used to playing games by yourselves. Y'all do that a lot more than yes. like me and Lauren do. I'm I'm one of those people. If I'm playing a game, I want to play with people. I want to play with a okay. group of people around. We never occasionally will break out a game with just the two of us, but um I know you guys are better at that than we, we have an intense game of uh Catan settlers of america going right now really in which we're playing multiple people oh, okay i was about to ask how you were doing that yes um and it, it's gotten pretty intense as well be, to, to the point that we're taking pictures of the board game <laughs> the way it's left because i have been accused of thieving and cheating <laughs> and stealing my way to victory so well, far how, how do you i mean there's stacks of resource cards there how do you how do you how do you know if a resource card has not been thieved? We fan the cards out. Oh. So that way there's a our stacks of gold. Oh, it's more so uh, your cards, not the other card, the decks that are there. Yes. How, how many cards you have? It, yeah. Okay, I got you. So that way you know what I've got, what she's got. Uh, so you know what each other has then. Well, no, you know how many cards you've got. 
So you could, but if you wanted to, then yes, there, there would still be ways to circumvent the system. You better be careful. Erica listens to this. Well, that's true. <laughs> Moving on in our discussion. That's what that's what we used to do. Like me and my brother, old school playing Risk. You know, okay. You have the Risk board out, and he'd be up there for a week. Yes. Uh, man, okay. We need to play. We need to play. We've always talked that we need to play a game of Risk. We need to get one. We could sit yeah, right here and just leave it. It'd be perfect. Oh yeah, be great. You can play Risk with two people, right? Yes. Okay. I think so. I mean, I've done it. I can't remember if I played this multiple people or not, though. Oh, okay. Um, well, today on today's episode, um, we are really happy to be back, and we tried to think of a bunch of different things that we maybe we could talk about, and we landed on one I'm really excited about, and I think will lend itself to great conversation. And for those of you listening who are used to listening to us, know it's not about food. <laughs> Um, I get the comment all the time. You guys always eventually wander off into food territory and have bitter debates about it. It's true. It is. There's no denying it. And we've even talked about doing a food sins part two because we were sitting around my table last week and I don't even remember what we got to talking about. Something that we disagreed on even then. I don't even remember what it was. I've forgotten what it is as well. But uh, I know at one point there was cookies being dipped in milk, which that's I what think it was. We, did we cover that in part one? I don't think one? we ever covered that. Oh, well, that's a big sin if we didn't cover it. Yeah, I don't know if we did or not. Yeah. See, so we're, we're talking we're about already, food. We're already back on it. <laughs> um, so we are talking on TV characters. Um, the 10 best, in our opinion, TV characters. We're not ranking them, but... 10 of the most, you know, well-known, uh, memorable uh, TV characters of the 21st century so far. So the last 20 years, TV characters that have really made their mark on culture, on the industry of television, and so on. And it's probably apropos that we talk about this right now because yeah. most people have probably consumed a lot of TV. Oh yeah, absolutely. over the past four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, been. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the numbers in a while, but I know like Netflix stock has to be got going. Prime, Apple TV, Disney Plus. I mean, talk about good timing on Disney's part of launching oh, yeah. at the end of last year because, I mean, they just nailed it. HBO Max should have been two yeah. months earlier. Yeah, I wonder if. Has it always been set for this time, or do they... Yes. Has it? At some point, I thought, okay, they're going to drop this thing early. Yeah. Because, you, I mean, if you want somebody to consume your streaming product, you can't ask for a better time to do it than right now. Yeah, I thought Peacock would, yes. would go early, too. I guess they're just not there yet. Um, you know, ESPN released The Last Dance early. early. because of, And I think it was a brilliant movie oh, on yeah. their part. Well, if you if you're a watcher of sports, you know that there's not been anything on TV to consume sports wise. Radio shows, TV shows, they sh are struggling for content to talk about. Every time I turn on the TV or I listen to a sports podcast, they're talking about Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, and this was supposed to come out like in July. Yes. Well, if it had if it stayed there, well sports might start be coming back by then. Right. We might weirdly enough have NBA in July. In July. You know, and so it's it, typically a dead period. Yeah. So it's brilliant on their part. I wish there was more. I was sad to see episode 10 come and go. Yes. Uh, it was a really good series. But we are talking about 
the best TV characters. Now, these are uh, fictional characters we're talking about. Um, we thought about doing the best actors or actresses on this list, but we decided to go with the characters themselves. So the most iconic, memorable TV characters of the 21st century. So from 2000 to 2020, and we are we are talking about, it, even if the show started maybe in the 90s, late 90s, it, the, the show needed to have peaked or that character arc peaked. Uh, or the m- majority of the episodes happen in the 2000s. One could argue that the actor has quite a bit to do with how successful oh, yeah. some of these characters are. And that, yeah, you know, I mean, that's very true. Um, at some point, we need to do an episode on um, the almost cast. Oh, because you know, there's Ooh. all those. You know, like yes. Will Smith almost became Neo in the Matrix. Yes, you know that would be a. Ten just missed it. Missed it by that missed much. Missed it by that much. Uh-huh. Uh, we also talked about doing a uh, pre-2000s best TV characters. And, you know, that list could be, oh my gosh. I mean, Andy Griffith. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the Fonz. Uh, you know, Tim, the tool man, Taylor. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're talking uh, Steve Urkel. I mean, we don't need I guess we can. I'm, I'm just listing. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just going through the episode. Bill Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you know? Um, I, I was curious if you could still find the Cosby Show on anywhere. Huh. And most places have taken it off. Have they? You can't buy it on iTunes. You can't do anything that kind of stuff. Oh wow! But there is one app. Um, I don't remember the name of it. Hold on, I have to pull up, find it right here. Film Rise. Okay. Yeah. Um, that you can still find the se- full seasons of, of really? the Cosby Show. Yeah. And I. It's funny. I pulled it up and I started watching an episode and me and my wife, we could not help but just be making jokes every time he said something that right. kind of touched on what he touched on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, it was really it was we honestly we could, uh, as much as I loved that show, it was hard to finish the show because you couldn't you, not you, think about you it. You can't see it in the same light as what you once did. And that's so sad. I know. It's so bad, but I digress. We we're talking about the 10 most memorable TV characters of the 21st century and uh, I think it's time. I think I think 10 minutes, 11 minutes is enough banter. I think it's time to get into this thing. The appetites have been wetted for this. <laughs> <Don't say that. laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> uh, by the way, I've been watching in quarantine. I've been watching a ton of like YouTube food shows. The quarantine food shows? Uh, some of those, yeah. Yes, uh, but some of them just you know, like there's there's one of my favorites uh, called Sorted Food on YouTube, uh-huh. and uh, they have they've got neat. You know, they're British. They have these little, neat little abbreviations for words. Now, Wendy's has started popularizing the word nug. Okay. Yes, they have. You know, group nug uh-huh. know, and stuff like that for nuggets. If you don't know, um, this this group of of on YouTube calls blueberries bloobs. Yes, and uh, they call they've been calling noodles nudes. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other day, Lauren hates it too. She hates what you call nuggets nugs. She just hates it. It's like saying sorry for anybody listening. It's like saying the word moist to her. Okay, okay. she hates it. And so. Uh, I said, mm, you know what would be really good with these nugs is some bloobs. <laughs> and then we toss them together with some nudes. <laughs> Just cringy to her. She's never going to listen to this. So, you know, 
if you know my wife, just go up to her and say, you want some bloobs? And she'll, she'll know you've talked to me. Uh, Aaron, do you want to start this thing off? I feel like you need to start this thing off. I feel like we need to get something obvious out of the way. That's why I want to give it to you first. Okay. Um, most people at some point in their lives have encountered a wacky slash annoying boss at work. But probably some, some of you are that. Some, yes, yeah, <laughs> some of you. You're like, no, I have never experienced that. Then you are the person we're talking about. Uh, but. You know, you can take heart because it's probably not as wacky and as bad, we hope, as Michael Gary Scott. He has a middle name. He does. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, Michael Gary Scott. <laughs> uh, and, of course, we're talking about the the man who anchored the cast of The Office. U.S. U.S. version. Parenthetical U.S. Yes. Version. Um, anybody that knows me knows that this, I have, I have watched the entire series probably close to 20 times. I watched the series and just immediately started over. It's, it's one of those shows that I have running in the background yeah. when, cause I already know the shows. Um, so I just keep it going. Michael Scott has to be. I, I don't know who curates the list, but somewhere out there on the interwebs, somebody has a list of who is the most used GIF. Oh, that's a, yeah. And it has to be Michael Scott. I mean, there's so many, too. There's so many out there. So many. Uh, so Michael... And again, we're talking about a show that began in 2005, I believe. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in there. That is as popular. Maybe it, it's, I would say it is more popular in 2020 than it was in its first few seasons. Oh, uh, yeah. When it ran. I would agree with that. Can and it know. has an entirely new generation mm -hmm. of viewers. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You got Gen Zers. Yes. High school kids who are obsessed with it. Yes. And so, in fact, I am currently, I am watching the series uh, double right now. I'm watching it through like I normally would. But I'm also going episode by episode with the Office Ladies podcast. Oh, Jenna okay. Fisher and Angela Kinsey, yeah. who played Pam and Angela on The Office. Once a week, they're breaking down one episode of The Office and giving us all of the backstories and all of this kind of neat behind the scenes information yeah. to go with it. So I'm watching each episode that they, that they give and they've talked, they're talking about how, you know, they, they have kids that are now old enough that they're letting them watch the office with them as they rewatch it. And they're just amazed by how many people are brand new to the office that have found such a love for it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's that's interesting. I wonder. I just had this thought, you know, because we're we're always wondering why why are why are we wanting to reboot everything? Why do we want to bring everything back? And I just had the thought. You know, this is the first generation that's been able to go back and just easily watch all those things. Oh yeah, like in the nineties, you couldn't do that. No, you you wouldn't go back to shows in the seventies and eighties and rewatch them because I mean, you might have reruns that would come on, but 
it wasn't binge culture. No. It wasn't part of the pop culture to binge watch those things. But we have that now. So it makes sense that that you would want to bring these things back for new things. Because for this teenager watching it for the first time, it's completely new and fresh and they want more. <laughs> yes. And the rest of us, we just want the nostalgia, but they want more content now. Right. That makes sense. So Michael, the manager of Dunder Mifflin, Scranton, PA, uh, you know, you love him, you hate him. He is, uh, he is cringeworthy at times. He is annoying. And most people have heard me say this to somebody that's brand new. They're like, oh, I've never really been able to get into the office. I've watched a few episodes. It's just hard to, it's just, I, I can't get into it. And I know many other people that say the same exact thing as me. You have to work to get through the first season of The Office. Yeah. And it's one long setup. It is. But Michael's character kind of undergoes a transformation between season one, which is very short, and season two when they got picked up for a full season. And I think Greg Daniels, the creator of the show, he knew the Michael Scott of season one. He was he was he was really stupid. And he was also very cruel. I don't think the Michael Scott that everybody knows and loves today would be the same Michael Scott if we had Michael Scott from season one through all of the other seasons. Yeah. They changed him. They did. And his character transformed. And so through his idiocy, he became a little bit more endearing. And some of the cruel stuff that he did uh, wasn't as bad. And you kind of saw that he was always just looking. He wanted somebody to love him. He always wanted friends, and it's kind of sad if you go back and watch some of the episodes. You can you find out that through his whole life, he's just like been this overbearing character from the time he was a kid that just wanted friends and wanted people to like him, and he has trouble doing that. Yeah, and so uh, well, they they also did a great job of building up the rest of the cast around. Him. Yes, because I mean, when they were able to start playing off of him, and it went beyond just him for the, some of those things. Right. You know, you had Jim, and you had Dwight, and I mean, my gosh, that's a great ensemble. I mean, every character in that show held their weight. Yes. They knew their role, they knew their place, and they all executed it really well. And as much as big as Michael Scott is and was. I think there's just as much love and fan support for some of those other cast members like Dwight and Jim. If we're talking about gifts and memorabilia and T-shirts and things, there's a lot of Dwight Schrute stuff. Yeah, I mean, you would rival Michael Scott with Dwight yes. Schrute easily. Yes. Um, now, the interesting thing is that late in the series, when Steve Carell left, which I'll just briefly say they should have ended the show instead of going on. But that next season, they played around with the idea of giving Dwight his own show. And there is a backdoor pilot um, in season eight or season nine called The Farm. And this was a backdoor pilot for a show that was being oh. centered on Dwight Schrute. Ooh, I'd be interested in that. Based on his beet farming. And it feels like when you watch this episode, you can tell it doesn't fit in with the rest of the sh 
shows in the series The Office. So you can tell that they were trying something. It got a horrible reception. It's yeah. one of the least liked episodes of The Office. It's one of my least favorite episodes of The Office oh, okay. as well. So as much as Dwight Schrute is loved, the what they were going to attempt to do with him in the show The Farm, I think would have been a complete disaster. Yeah. It's the chemistry. Yes. They would have to find somebody to be the yin to his yang. We, as fans of The Office, we were not fans of Dwight the Beat Farmer. We were yeah. we were fans of Dwight, the assistant to the regional manager. Because he was a beat farmer and didn't fit in. Exactly. And that was the beauty of it. Yes. So you would have you would have to find the altar. You would have to find the office person. <laughs> you know, you would need Jim to go, you know, like the episode with Jim and Pam. Stay, stay at the beat farm. Yes. That's hilarious. You need yes. that kind of, of, and maybe it becomes, I think a fun show would be he opens the bed and breakfast. Because <laughs> let, let, let's be honest, in those brief moments, who stole the show more than Steve Carell or uh, Rain Wilson? It was whoever played Moe's. Yes. <laughs> he's just he, he was a great <laughs> character. Uh, he was one of the writers on the show. And Mo, I'm sorry. Moe's just running beside the car <laughs> is just etched in my brain forever. You just can't. And we all know somebody kind of like that. <laughs> uh, so uh, we've talked about several people within the office, but yeah. Steve Carell as Michael Scott, I think is one of the, I, I would argue is the greatest character of the last two decades and Not arguably yeah. one of the best of the last century yeah of I all mean, time yeah and honestly in some ways michael scott is to steve carell as steve carell is to michael scott i mean yes it's almost hard like my wife was never a big office fan and there was some uh we watched a movie with steve carell in it where he played a little bit more of a serious role and Lauren's like, oh, I thought he was just this goofy guy. You know, she, she couldn't separate the two because it was so ingrained in culture that, you know, it's no, 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 please, God, no. You know, right. That guy, you yes. know, and uh, it's it was it, I think it's taken him a little bit to it, almost a typecast to branch out into other things, because for a while that while he was playing Michael Scott, every movie he did, everything he popped in on, it was the same shtick. He did. Uh, Evan Almighty during that time. Yeah. 40 year old virgin. Uh -huh. Um, what? Um, Anchorman. Anchor, Anchorman is what I was yeah. trying to think of. Um, so he did, he did several more comedies in addition to that. And it was all kind of the same Michael the, Scott yeah, character. Very much. Um, but by the time you get to the end of Michael Scott's time at the office, man, it gets me every time. The even more so than the, series finale is when Michael's finale, when he leaves the office. Yeah. I'm not one who cries at shows, but <laughs> if I were a crier every time he leaves, that's, that's when I, and you can see it in the, in the eyes of those who are playing on the cast. You can tell just from looking at their eyes. And then when you read the stories, you know, they've been crying all day long, knowing that Steve was leaving the show. Yeah. That's how much they loved him. Yeah. That's how much he meant to them. And that's how much, Michael Scott still means to many fans today. So yeah. there we go. Number one, Michael Scott. Well, in terms of going ahead and getting the big heavy hitters out of the way, I'm going to go with my first one and, and talk about Walter White. Say, say his name. 
Walter. <laughs> Why? I can't say the actual quote there. <laughs> we, we would lose our clean rating. <laughs> they would give us one of those E's yeah. next to our podcast. Uh, but uh, let's just say you're right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Uh, Walter White, played by Brian Cranston in the show Breaking Bad. Uh, now, this is a show that um, I think both of us came to watch this later on. Yes. I don't think either one of us watched no. it live. No. I, I didn't watch it when it first came on. Uh, but, man, that show. Talk about an escalating show. It really it takes you on a ride. Oh, yeah. Um, Walter White starts out as this humble chemistry teacher who is, eh, he's fine with his life. And then he gets a diagnosis of, of lung cancer and uh, to try to make life better for his family and pay for his treatments. He runs into one Jesse Pinkman and the two start venturing off into the world of methamphetamine. Want to cook meth? <laughs> yeah. And so it spirals from there and you, you really do, you see this transition from, cause Brian Cranston was known for comedy. Yes. He was in um, Malcolm in the Middle as the dad in that show. So very comedy driven. A lot of his career was comedy driven. And so originally I, I saw this that um, the series actually was supposed to be a dark comedy. Really? So it was originally script. That's why they went for Brian Cranston because he has a comedy background. It's hard to imagine that show exactly that way. But you can when you when you think about that and you look back and watch, you're like, okay, I kind of because some of that stuff kind of makes you chuckle. It makes you laugh a little Especially bit. Especially in that first season, there yeah. are some funny moments. There are, and it was supposed to be that way. It was meant to be funny, um, and so just I mean, when you step back away from the series and think of the premise, if I tell you a high school chemistry teacher meets a student and they start cooking meth. That's funny. <laughs> right. But the road it takes, I mean, give Vince, Vince Gilligan okay, yes. a lot of credit because he was able to pivot with where the show led him. I don't think he had the end of the show scripted out. I think he went with the flow. And the transition from Walter White to go from, I mean, the very first episode, he's in his underwear in the desert. You know, talk about dark slapstick comedy. That's what it was. But you go from that to where he is this drug kingpin that people fear. He is a no, you know, a faceless name. People know the name Heisenberg before anything else. Right. And uh, by the way, we should probably start at the beginning of this thing saying spoiler alerts. Um, so if you have if you hear a show that you haven't seen yet, and you want to just skip ahead a little bit and uh, and be sure to listen. But this the end of the show ends with uh walter dying and uh then picks up with el camino yes and uh spoiler alert for that too you've i know you've seen it right yes we see walter in it but only in a flashback flashbacks and in dreams or not even a dream sequence i think it's just flashback there was a lot of hope from fans because when when breaking bad ended we didn't know if Walt was dead. It's we assumed, highly assumed. We assumed Walt not was dead. Definite. But there were a lot of fan there theories was, there out was there. Wiggle room. There was that, a little bit of wiggle room. Okay, maybe maybe he didn't die. But yeah, Walt's dead. Um, what I love about it is following through because, and I have friends, we argue this all the time as we go back and rewatch the show. 
but what moment did Walt break bad? Because you can look yeah. at so many different moments. You're like, okay, this is the moment when it went from he's just trying to make enough money to set up his family to when did he actually become that greedy, power-hungry kingpin. Yeah, because there's a lot of bad stuff he does, but it's justified. It's justified. You know, even early on in the series where he faces Tuco, you know. Right. And it blows up the place yes. and stuff like that. I mean, he was he was fighting for his life at that point. Right. But there is, there's lots of questions like when does it turn in his mind? Um it's it is a great show. And it's as you series. as you watch his character, you can find little things about the way he changes just his physical appearance from one season to the next that really transforms him from being mm-hmm. Mr. White, the high school chemistry teacher to Heisenberg yeah. at the end. And the character that he is. And I mean, again, this, we talked at the beginning that you could, you could attribute this to being a list of the people who play these roles, but they do an entire episode where he is just trying to kill a fly and it captivates you the entire it's time. one of the best tv episodes oh my god that exists i mean it's it's is jesse even in that one or is it just pretty much him if i remember he right it's, it's mainly it's mainly him yeah that's just that's not a lot of actors or characters could do that no because in that scene, if I remember right, Jesse leaves and he's done for the day. And so he yeah. leaves. Walt stays all night long. Yeah. All trying night. to kill this stupid fly. It is amazing. So my first one goes to one of the greats, uh, Walt White, Walter White from Breaking Bad. I wanted to stay right there then. Because one of my favorite characters and you talk about there being some dark comedy in the show. The the other guy that I think lends himself to some levity in very dark moments of Breaking Bad is his lawyer, mm-hmm. Saul Goodman. So much he got his own show. Yes. Uh, Bob Odenkirk as Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad and as... Spoiler alert, <laughs> Jimmy McGill, before he becomes Saul Goodman in um, Better Call Saul. Yeah. And in its own right, an incredible series. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It is the prequel to Breaking Bad. So this is this is telling us how Saul became Saul and kind of things that lead up to... Everything that takes place in Breaking Bad. In in some ways, these two shows are very similar. They work very well together. In some ways, one is better than the other. And in some ways, they complement each other. Like, in different moments, each one of them are better than the other. Does that make sense? I mean, yes. like, because there's not as much action or stuff like that in Better Call Saul. No. But it's more gripping earlier on. Yes. Uh, because you're, I mean, the whole time you're like, how do you get from here to, to where we saw in Breaking Bad? Yes. Because where Jimmy's or Saul or Bob Odenkirk's story starts at in Better Call Saul, after you watch the first couple of seasons, like how in the world did this guy right. become 
Saul Goodman that we see in Breaking Bad. And again, it's just a it's a tribute to those writers of that show. Oh, absolutely. How incredible. And again, it's it's produced by Vince Gilligan. Yes. To create a show like that that and it's and again, it's not the it's not the gritty dark show like Breaking Bad is. Right. But it's got its moments. It has its moments. Um, and again, Bob Odenkirk's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. In fact, he he auditioned. He wanted the role of Michael Scott and auditioned oh, really? for the role of Michael I Scott. I didn't know that. Yes. And in the last season, one of the last few episodes, he makes an appearance in uh, the office as a manager of a real estate company in Philadelphia where oh, Pam okay. goes to interview. Yeah. And he's Michael Scott 2.0. Yeah. And so you can see Bob Odenkirk in that role. Oh, yeah. Um, but Saul Goodman is a brilliant TV character. Oh, yeah. Slick, fast talking. Yes. And again, when you if you've watched Breaking Bad and you've not really gotten into Better Call Saul, you should. Yeah. Because... It really sets up so much stuff about how he ends up the way that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, one of the beautiful things about Better Call Saul is because, especially if you've seen Breaking Bad, the whole show of Better Call Saul is a prequel. But then there's flash forwards. The intro of like nearly every episode yeah, is him after Breaking Bad. Yes. And so it makes me think, will this show continue through Breaking Bad? Right. I mean, they're definitely leaving room for it or for a, a sequel to it somehow. Yes. Because we're approaching we're approaching Breaking Bad timeline. There are things that are starting to happen that yeah. you can see in the in the series is it because it's this is still an ongoing show. So there are things that are happening and that ma- you're like, oh, it makes me wonder if we're going to see Walt and Jesse start making I, some appearances yes. here and there. And I'm wondering, do they? Do they make appearances, show a little behind the scenes, but then fl- just skip a skip ahead and show afterwards? Um, one thing I know we're not talking about the shows themselves, but it's kind of hard not to. Right. The biggest mystery for me in all of this is what happens. What happened to Kim Wexler? It's it's the question that we all want answered. What happened? Because she is not in Breaking Bad. No, she's not part of his life then. So, is that is that going to be the the finale of <laughs> Better Call Saul? I don't know. Is that where it ends? You got to assume the Nacho guy uh, that he's going to die. Right. <laughs> you just got to assume he's going to get killed somehow. But Kim, I don't know. Kim is she is the voice of reason for Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman. Yeah. And whatever happens is a big part in my opinion, of how Saul Goodman becomes the Saul Goodman that we see in Breaking Bad. Yeah. The other show that I want to see made is... Thunder. And the thunder rolls. (laughs) Uh, Is what happens to Walt's family. Yes. Does his son pick up the the reins and become, you know? Yeah. You could go a lot of places with that. And I've, I've, I've heard... You could go with a movie in that direction. Yeah, I've heard conversations about this becoming a Breaking Bad universe situation where you you know, you know could tie a lot of stuff in. 
And that that seems to be the trend in television. Yes. Is let's create this world and focus on different characters. Now, again, the only way that works is you've got to have the people to do it. Right. And be part of it. Uh, but I would I would be very interested in seeing how all these stories tie up. And it could be done like an El Camino where it's just a one-off movie because they tied up Jesse's story very nicely. They did. They did. So uh, I'm going to throw Saul Goodman in there as one of the... What are we calling this? The the most memorable, most memorable TV characters, yeah, of the last twenty years. Twenty years, twenty first century. Um, okay, well, we've been serious for a minute, so I'm going to go back to comedy for a second. This is one I didn't see on a lot of lists when we were researching this out, but I think you would be hard pressed not to include this person on a list of the most memorable characters of the last twenty years considering this series was on for, I think, 13 or 14 of those years. You can tell how soundproofed our studio is, <laughs> a.k.a. an extra room in my house, because you can hear thunder and lightning right now. You can't hear lightning. <laughs> you can just hear the thunder. I can't even see it. Yeah. Um, the one and only nerd himself, Sheldon Cooper. Oh, Sheldon Lee Cooper, The Big Bang Theory. You know, you don't see him on any of these lists, but you kind of should. I mean, yes, he he has become a very memorable character. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say he's the modern Urkel almost. Yes, that would be one way to put it. Eccentric, quirky, very smart. Um, Obviously played by Jim Parsons um, on The Big Bang Theory. The show has run for. I, I can't remember how long it's run. But uh, did a very, very good job of playing this character. Um, known for, and his character arc was really unique also. Say what you want to about the show and how, you know, it's not uniquely funny or, you know, the only reason people like it's because of the laugh track. It's one of those shows just like, it, it's, that, it's that feel good kind of show that you can just put on and just enjoy. Um, who cares about a laugh track? Okay, get over it. I mean, it, it it's it's then it's another character in the show at this point. Yes, um, but the the premise is if you're been under a rock for the last you know 15 years, is uh, Sheldon Cooper, his roommate Leonard Hofstetter, uh, our our roommates, uh, pretty girl moves in next door, and chaos ensues in their group of friends. Uh, it brought nerd culture into the world. Yes, it became cool. It to be was a cool uh, wearing superhero T-shirts and being smart and being quirky. I mean, that coupled with the hipster culture just really I mean, it shaped the face of the 21st century in a lot of ways. Uh, the Big Bang Theory went from 2007 to 2019. So you're talking 12, 13, probably 13 seasons of the show. Um. Sheldon Cooper, yeah. I mean, it starts out, I mean, the series starts out with him being complete a germaphobe, very socially, he's always socially awkward throughout the series, but his character arc changes. Like, he has zero interest in women or social right. things or anything, and you start to see he eventually gets married. and he, he grows as a person. He grows as a person, and I think it's a great character arc to, to follow. Um, his interactions with people, his quirkiness, um, favorite scene I think of the entire series is when he gets lost in the ball pit. 
<laughs> he just randomly pops up and says Bazinga and just goes back in. You know, it's just, it's, it's, say what you want to about the whole, uh, and laugh track stuff, obviously. I mean, that's, the laugh track is disappearing. Right. No, 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 not many things now have a laugh track. And that was always the biggest criticism of their show was, is it still funny without the laugh track? And I would say yes. Yes. There's a lot of funny stuff in there. Maybe not for highbrow people who are looking for depth, but for your average blue collar, every person, that's just good comedy. Right. Um, but Jim Parsons, yeah. Big Bang Theory coming in for me, my second, my second choice on this list. I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling here <laughs> because I, 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 I don't know who to choose. And we said that at some point we're going to talk casts in an episode. Yeah. And this will definitely be in our list. Both of our lists. It would be in for casts. Um, but there was a show. This began in the late 90s, 1999. Okay. And ran through 2006. Okay. A little show called The West Wing. Yes. I have, I have this on my list too. I don't know who to choose from this cast because there are so many great characters here. Uh, Can I tell you who I had on mine? Yeah. It, it was just President Josiah Bartlett. Okay. Martin, Martin Sheen as mm-hmm. Josiah Bartlett yeah. is a phenomenal character. He is. Uh, I love the story of, of how he became that character. Too. Yes. It's amazing. The, the hats off to Aaron Sorkin. Dude, he's one of my favorite screenwriters. One of the all-time yes. greats. Um, for me, I, I think I'm leaning towards Rob Lowe's character of Sam. It's a good one. Because... Something shifted when he left the show. It shifted when he left the show. There still was a, great. A different dynamic. It was different. But he was a character that we really watched grow from episode one to going on to do great things that kind of, you know, might be a little bit surprising. Um, and a good enough character that I think, because we both talked about rebooting the West Wing. I think you could bring that character back. Yeah, I, I would love to see Rob Lowe as the president. Yes. In a new yes. reboot of the West Wing. Even if you can't have the rest of the cast, I think you could bring in, um, you know, other characters to do some of those other roles. Um, his name is escaping me. Um, oh, my gosh. Does he play Josh? Yes. Bradley Whitford. That's it. Bradley Whitford. Have Josh come in maybe as the VP. Um, and bring some new faces in there. Yeah. I think you could do that. I think just those two together would be all you would need. And maybe some appearances from some of the other people just to come in and, and just kind of help tie them together. But you're right. I mean, for, for me, just the reason I picked, I, I wanted to pick Martin Sheen uh, his character, Josiah Bartlett, 
was because he was never supposed to be a full-time member of the cast. No. He was supposed to be this ambiguous, yes. behind-the-scenes president. It wasn't supposed to be about the president at all. He stole the show in episode it. one. <laughs> he did. And they said, we have to include him. It in was the incredible. The There's also a podcast that goes through with each episode of The West Wing that's been done in the last couple of years. That's a fascinating podcast to, to listen to as you watch the show. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say when we get to our discussion of talking about casts, you're hard pressed to to put a cast up better than what the West Wing had. Oh, yeah. I mean, it the chemistry that they all had was so amazing. Even the little supporting pieces they would bring in in a rotating, you know, because like there was you had your main five people on, on the cast. But then there were supporting people that would come in every couple of episodes. Uh, Danny, you know, yes. the reporter would come in and then he would be gone and then we'd come back a little bit. And it was like a, putting on a, a well-worn shoe. It just it, fit. It, it fit. It just flowed so well throughout the entire series. But yeah, Sam Seaborn's character, the, 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 the series starts with him. Yes. The very first episode. It does. Is my, making what, a huge mistake. Yeah. My boss. <laughs> My boss, uh, what, what, what is it that he says? My boss fell off a bike or, or had a bike. Yes. Well, who's your boss? The president, the president. of the United States. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, oh, gosh, man. You're making me want to watch the show again. I know. It's been a minute since I've seen it. Let's see. Will it be on uh, Peacock? It should be on Peacock. I would I would assume so. Yeah. It's currently on Netflix. It's currently still. on Netflix, which I do not have any longer. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll talk about that in another episode into, as well. Streaming Wars <laughs> Chapter 2. Yeah. Uh, but uh yeah, Sam Seaborn and then I mean Dulé Hill's character. I mean gosh, I'm I've just pulled it up on IMDb. Allison Janney. Allison Janney, John Spencer as a uh, He is oh Mary. Um Janelle Milani as Donna, Richard Schiff as uh Toby, Alan um Alan help me out here, the guy from MASH. Arkman, right? Yeah, uh no. Alda. Alda. Alan Alda. Um, and then you've got later on in the series, you have, of course, he's later on in the series also, but Joshua Molina as Bailey. Yes. Will Bailey. Um, and then there's a lot of you know little special guests that pop in from time to time as well. But they had some heavy hitters come in there. They did. Um, Jimmy Smits. Yes. Kristen Chenoweth. Lily Tomlin. Um, Jimmy Smith just recently got his own show, I believe. I think so. I think you're right. Uh, Mary Louise Parker. Um, yeah. Gary Cole. Remember, he was vice president yes. for, a, for a minute. Yes. Uh, gosh, yeah. This is. Oh, just... um, the, the guy that played um, Roseanne's husband. Tom John... Arnold. No, John Goodman. John Goodman. John Good. Yes. That's he, a great a... part of the series. Yes. Um, so when, when you talk about casts and people they have in the show, the West Wing superb yeah with that but some really strong characters that i think are some of the best and again that's a it's an older show again since it launched in the 90s and maybe there's a lot of people that haven't seen it uh well i remember when the last presidential election came around it became a big show right afterwards yes. because people a lot of millennials who didn't see it or gen x or gen zers rather started saying well I'm interested in politics and what the looks like behind the scenes and started checking it out for sure. And Rob Lowe doesn't hurt. I'm a big Rob Lowe fan. I am too. I like his stuff. Okay. 
we're uh, 47 minutes in it and we're halfway through so we're gonna we're gonna pick up the pace on this back half a little bit we're gonna go long though just deal with it okay hit pa- if you don't have time to listen to all hit pause okay you haven't heard us in a couple of months <laughs> you know so you gotta get your fix right gotta be a supersized episode um okay next one for me i'm going back to comedy a little bit um because this is one i wouldn't have thought of but for me personally i love this character but i saw it on a lot of lists and it is one of my favorite comedies of the last 20 years very well written uh but the womanizing man himself <laughs> the one with the playbook barney <laughs> yeah barney stinson played by neil patrick harris on how i met your mother um you know he was not the main character of this show he no. is what you would call a scene stealer yes okay um the show ended up kind of yes it was always about ted and finding the mother and that storyline but Barney's just that character stole the show and really gave the show longevity. It did. Um, because, you know, say what you want to about the morals of this character. Okay. <laughs> I, the 10 things podcast does not condone the things that Barney Stinson did on the show. I guess we can say that about most of these, like Walt White. We don't, condone, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> we don't please. We do not prove him. <laughs> um, Michael Scott, we don't, don't cut up a CPR dummy. Okay? No. But Barney Stinson's character, I mean, the creativity of like the playbook, the execution of that, you know, his goofiness. But then his character arc also took you on a journey. And he went from this womanizer to feeling what it was like in a relationship to getting married and uh, getting divorced. Spoiler alert at the end of the series. And then, you know, and then when he finally knocks up a woman. <laughs> At the last episode <laughs> and it has the baby you see a sensitive side there as well so very well rounded and neil patrick harris there are very few people maybe neil patrick harris maybe drew barrymore not this list doesn't go much further than that who can totally shake off their child actor roots i mean he was known for doogie hauser and that was about it and then suddenly here he comes as an adult and completely changes what people know him as. Yes. And, you know, I don't even know that he's necessarily now typecast as even Barney Stinson. He's he's a very broad-ranged person, and he's really reinvented himself. Um, but Neil Patrick Harris's Barney Stinson uh, just did a great job. Uh, the playbook stuff is iconic. Weekend at Barney's, you know. <laughs> the high five, I mean... Tell me, was the high five as popular before Bonnie Stinson came around? I mean, I don't remember high fiving as much as I no. do now, you know, or at least saying high five, you know, right? Um, suits. I mean, there, you could go on and on about his attributes, but he's just a great character. I want to go to some comedies, and I, I'm going to get there, but before I get back to a comedy, here's uh, one more. Uh, I want to talk about the character Sherlock Holmes. Okay. And I know you may be scratching that like, well, Sherlock Holmes, a great character the last 20 years. When Benedict Cumberbatch played Sherlock, yeah. he changed things. That's true. Uh, Sherlock has always been a fascinating character to people. But when you watch the series with Benedict Cumberbatch playing him, it's an incredible, incredible character. And 
kind of takes Sherlock in a little different direction. It's a, he's a little more modern than the Sherlock many times we think of. It's not set in the 1800s. He's modern day Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and he, he's incredible in that role. I've watched this series now a couple of times and I've talked about it before on the podcast is one of what I think is one of the best shows um, over the last two decades. Um, but they're, they're more like movies. Each episode is 90 minutes long. So you, yeah. you're invested for a long time watching these. He just plays a phenomenal Sherlock Holmes. And again, it, it's a character that so many of us are familiar with. Sherlock is just an entertaining individual. So anytime somebody can can take that character and really up what he already is, I think it becomes memorable. Yeah. I mean, he took a, a iconic historical character and brought him into the 21st century. Yes. And and m- merged those two seamlessly. Oh, yes. You, he, you didn't lose anything from what you would think of, of Sherlock Holmes, but you you added stuff to it to make it like this incredible memorable character right for sure okay since we're moving pretty quickly here through the back half i'm going to give you um this is hard for me kind of like you there's several i will say this there are there are going to be people on this list we left we leave off because man it is storming uh watch people won't even be able to hear this on the podcast (laughs) They're just like, are you guys on, on are you on meth? <laughs> Is that what's happening? Are you imagining things? We're gonna we're gonna put in sound effects. Yes. This is gonna be the only episode ever we put in sound effects on. Um, but I want to talk about um well, back to what I was saying. There's gonna be people we leave off this podcast because we didn't necessarily connect really well with the series. Exactly. Or we didn't get invested in the series. Like I know on a lot of these lists we looked at, there was a lot of Game of Thrones right. characters. There were a lot of HBO shows that the characters were mentioned, um, and other premium cable channels. That just necessarily for the better part of the last, you know, twenty years, fifteen years, I would say for like me, 15 of the 20 years, I did not have those channels or watch those shows. Right. It has, it's only been recently that with streaming and all that stuff that those shows become available to me. So we may not necessarily talk about those characters. Go to your watchmojo.com or some other site for those things. And like we've always said with our podcast, these are kind of our opinions. And so this is not a definitive list. And we'd love to hear your feedback on what oh, you yeah. think. Well, tell us what we missed. But the next one for me... Um, is one I really connected with early and I think became a a fairly well-known character, especially with his story arc, and that is the pill-popping, crutch-using... You just stole my next one. <laughs> Dr. Gregory House. Yes. From House MD on Fox. Um, this was a show I loved. Like, th- before binging was around... I, I could not wait to get to the next episode to watch House. Just when you talk about a medical drama, yes, it's going to be the same thing every week. There's a problem. Doctor comes in and fixes it. But he was a uh, – what, what was his re- real title or his title in the, in the show? It, it leaves me. But, like, these were cases that were, like, very unusual. Yes. 
like you had to really you had to be smart think outside the box and he was always pushing people's buttons very sarcastic sarcastic is how i hug so i mean this, this was up my alley for sure. sarcastic he's a narcissist yes he is much. arrogant yes uh brash he doesn't care what people think he's funny oh yeah the show is very subtly hilarious because i am not a medical show fan it's just not my thing and so i kind of held off on watching house for quite a while but once i started watching it i was like okay this is unlike any medical drama that i have ever seen before uh the term i was looking for is he leads the team of he is the head of diagnostic medicine yes um but that's another great ensemble too oh yeah i mean you've got olivia wilde in that um uh, pen uh i don't remember his full name now it leaves me it's not sean Penn, but pen something his first name is pen i think um it's a great cast as well um but he his his style that that show kind of takes the Aaron Sorkin approach with the with the walk and talk. They are always walking through the hospital, having the conversation. The camera moves with them, so stylistically it works really well. Um, the tone of the show is really well done, but the character ha- that show would be absolutely nothing without Hugh Laurie as as House in that show. Absolutely, the character of him makes it completely. He is, and this is one of those shows that I have talked about with with friends that I'm not sure if you were to launch this show today in 2020. Oh, yeah. House and The Office, they don't make it on they the air today. They don't make it, no. Michael Scott and Greg House are the two most politically incorrect <laughs> yeah. TV characters oh, yeah. of the last 20 years, maybe of the last 50 years. Yeah, I don't know. Very much so, yes. They do not give a crap what anybody thinks. I don't think Barney Stinson and How I Met Your Mother makes no, it post-Me no, Too no, movement either. No, he's, he's right there with it. The, these things would not happen today. Um, yeah. just allowing allowing those writers to do what they did with Greg House made the show. Yeah, really did. So, where are we at? Is this number eight, uh, nine? This is number nine. This is your last this ride, is my, buddy. Oh, this is it for you. Okay. Are we doing honorable mentions? We're gonna do some. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. That, that at least gives uh, me okay. This was tough. I was torn between two. But I'm going to go with Ron Swanson. Yes, I'm glad you did. From Parks and Rec. I'm glad you did. Uh, this is another show that I dearly love. It's just like The Office that I rewatch it over and over and over again. Interestingly enough, it was also created by Greg Daniels. And so Ron Swanson. Played by Nick Offerman. By Nick Offerman, yes. Uh, he is the director of of the parks and recreation department in Pawnee, Indiana. Um, that cannot sound any more boring <laughs> at all. This is a mockumentary and the show is really about Amy Poehler's character, Leslie Nope. Yeah. But my gosh, but it's not <laughs> Ron's. And again, you talk about a cast that every person carries their weight in the show they do it. Ron Swanson plays the director of the Parks and Recreation Department, a government position, 
Ron Swanson hates the government. <laughs> he is a libertarian and wishes the government did not exist. Yeah. Uh, and so his, in a lot of ways, he's very much like Greg House. He's politically yeah. incorrect. Uh-huh. He doesn't care what people think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a narcissist. He's arrogant. He's all of these things. And he's very funny. I think the only reason he was able to pull that off in the time he did, because this has been more recent yes. than House was, was because it was done in satire. Yes. That's the only way. Because right. everybody knows this is a joke. Here. He's making fun of certain things. Whereas some of the other ones we've talked about. It was, was serious. It was a serious <laughs> role. Uh, so yeah, uh, Parks and Rec, this was a show 2009-ish, probably, so, yeah. that it came it's on. post office. So. Yes. Um, and ran through 2014, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. I mean, I've got to, I got to admit this. I, I have not seen a ton of Parks and Rec. I was not a watcher of Parks and Rec. Okay. I've given it plenty of shots and I've heard skip the first season, start at season two. It's, it's much like The Office where people I, say that. I did that. I started there. Still couldn't get into it. Every association I have with that show, though, is through Nick Offerman's Ron Swanson character. I will look on YouTube and watch his clips of the show and enjoy myself. I just can't sit through the show itself. He is he is brilliant in his role. Um, and kind of like, who was it we said earlier? Kind of like Michael Scott. He has become Ron Swanson to people. Yes. Like, that's just who he is. Mainly his voice and his appearance. His that voice and his appearance. When you watch videos of Nick Offerman today, you will still see him with a glass of scotch. Right, yeah. He is doing woodworking. And his stand-up comedy has been revived because of that. Yes. You know, he was just a normal stand-up that had this shtick, but because he became Ron Swanson, people now are expecting that from him. So he can just literally sit on a stool on a stage with a glass of scotch and just talk. And people are just enamored with it. They eat it up. He's even launched his own line of scotch. I mean, this really? this character has led to that. Um, so when you talk about being typecast, he got typecast, <laughs> but it's worked out well. It's for worked him. out, yeah. I, I mean, I don't see him do trying to do any serious roles. No, I don't try, see him trying to expand. I mean, he he hit the money money ball, and he's just going to sit with it. I would at least if I were him. Uh, during this quarantine, maybe two weeks ago, the writers of parks and rec they did an entirely full episode with the cast on zoom so for those of you that are parks and rec fans if you haven't seen it go on to uh i think it was nbc's youtube channel where they dropped that maybe parks and rec but you can find an entirely new episode that kind of picks up um after everything's left off you get to see all of your favorite characters back in there you've got rob Lowe, uh rashida uh rashida jones yeah Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt, Amy Poehler, uh, Nick Offerman. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's what's his name? The real cocky one. Aziz and yeah and Siri. Yeah. Um. You you find all of these great characters again, and uh, this very much like The Office launched several of these people into some very well known roles. Um, of course, Rob Lowe, everybody already knew Rob Lowe, right? But he came in and really, because he didn't, he didn't star in the show in the first three seasons. He, he joins the cast three seasons in, into it, but it's one of those things where it just fits like a glove. Yeah. It fits that so show. Well. So Ron Swanson, uh, 
political uh, guy that hates politics and the government. Um, okay, number 10 on our list, and we'll wrap it up with here uh, before we get to honorable mentions. Uh, I feel like I've done a lot of comedy, but uh, I'm going to do one more, mainly because I've tried to pick some that I know you know too. It's, it creates banter, you know? Right. Because I've got a couple of my honorable mentions that, that I don't know if you'll know as well, but I am going to go with maybe a surprising one um, because many people might not realize that this is a fictional character. The host of Comedy Central's The Colbert Report, Stephen Colbert. Um, I don't think people understand when he was playing, when he was on The Colbert Report, this was a fictional character. Right. It's his real name. But he was playing a part. Yes. Um, but he was playing an uber Republican. He was kind of like the the ying to uh, John Stewart's yang. Yes. Okay. Because they followed each other. They worked closely together. Uh, and so he created this really unique character of a talk show host. Uh, you you can't help but laugh at it. I mean. He was so. This is the this is the bad thing. I liked him so much better there than I do the Late Show now as his real self. Okay. Yes. I greatly prefer that Stephen yes, Colbert I, than the I currently agree. one we have. But the fact that you know he would, whenever he announced his guest for the show, it was over on a different part of the set, and he would say, "Please welcome whoever it might be." Then he would get up and act like people were applauding for him. <laughs> he was like, yay, me. Yay, I did it. And he would go over and talk to them. It was almost like a Zach Galifianakis between two ferns kind of vibe, you know, <laughs> just kind of a, you know, totally yes. left, left wall <sighs> mentality. Um, but Stephen Colbert. Yeah. He, he, I mean, I know this is not your, this is not your typical person to put on this kind of a list. So we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but that character of Stephen Colbert, uh, it was it was brilliant, definitely worthy of being in the top ten. Brilliant, um, the word that was the best part. Yes, because you had Stephen Colbert as this aloof kind of doesn't know what's going on, just talking about something, and then his writers and graphics department throwing up these silly, <laughs> funny things on the side while he's trying to talk about it. It's just it's comedy gold, man. It deserved, it, honestly, I know Comedy Central is a good platform. It deserved a better platform. It did. It deserved prime time. It, it Honestly, if it was airing in today's streaming service, YouTube culture, I'm, it might be the biggest show on television. Yeah. I'm, con I'm, I'm convinced of that. I, I think there's a very good possibility of that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We actually... We, we, we squeezed that in in a good amount of time. We did. Um, but now it's time for honorable mentions. Okay. Aaron, give us your 50 honorable mentions. <laughs> How many do you have? I'm, a, I'm, I'm just going to limit it to five. Okay. I'm going to go with five. Okay. Um, first, Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. Okay. The star of the show works with Ron Swanson. She is the deputy director of Parks and Recreation in Pawnee, Indiana. Uh, a great character. Uh, Dwight Schrute, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but he deserves more than just a, a, a passing mention. He deserves an honorable mention. Honorable, yes. As assistant to the regional manager, uh, Dwight. Maybe 
this is who I think came out of Jim Halpert's my my next one. You're just gonna list off all the office <laughs> characters. Pam, I know. I Pam know. Beasley. I'm not going to go there, but I think people Greg from sh- shipping. <laughs> people loved Jim Halpert. People yeah. connected oh, yeah, with absolutely. Jim because the the story of the office really became a love story between Jim and Pam. And that's what we were watching. Everything else happening focused around are Jim and Pam ever going to get together and what does their lives become? And I think people really connected with Jim. He seemed like just an easygoing guy. He loved to, to pull pranks on Dwight. And I think that it's because his character had has that. Because John Krasinski just seems like a really good dude in real life. He he yeah, just seems so genuine, does, yeah. so so easygoing. And I think people have always known that and always loved him. But what he's done with the the virus and some good news, some good news has. I think when all this is said and done, that will be a show. Yes, I think it will continue. And I think I don't know if the production value needs to go up anymore, but I think it could. I think I think that continues for sure. And I would say, coming out of the office, when you look at all of the all of the cast that is there, I think John Krasinski came out of that the biggest star of everybody. I mean, he's gone on to do some yeah, huge. He uh, has. I mean, this was a guy that was not an actor. He didn't have a job acting before this. Uh, he he'd done a a couple of small roles, but he came out of this. You know, he he starts it making you know ten thousand dollars an episode, and he leaves a multi millionaire because of his portrayal of Jim Halpert. And he says even so much when you listen to interviews that everything that he has today is due to his role of Jim Halpert. So he knows where he came from. And it's just, it's an awesome story. I love Jim Halpert. Uh, Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. We didn't talk about him really. Uh, he is just as much of a great character as Walt is. And then I'm going to finish up with one that I think is appropriate to talk about right now. He's not on any list that I saw, but again, this is my list. And so he makes it. I really wanted to put him in my top five, but this was a show I loved. And you remember that I loved this years ago, Tony Shalhoub as Monk, Monk. the original germaphobe. He was made for the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic of 2020. Let's reboot that show today. Yeah, I'm well, and you you mentioned earlier there is a you or is it YouTube? Or yes, just... it's uh it's on Peacock's YouTube channel where they get the cast together and they do like a seven minute sketch where they're all on Zoom and they all pick up right where they are in their lives. Bring bring this back because I love Monk. I used to talk about it all the time. Uh, it's been a it went off the air. Close to 10 years ago. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has. It's been a minute for sure. It was never one of the top shows, you know, across the board that people have talked about. But his character as Monk, the original OCD detective, (laughs) just a fantastic character. So there's my honorable mentions. It's really good. Um, Okay, really quickly for me, I am going to go. This was hard. Also, I'm going to go. I got I'll give you five too. Um, Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. 
Okay. I really wanted, kind of like Tony Shalhoub for you, I wanted to put him number one on my list because I'm a big Walking Dead fan. And that character um, has been uh, such an iconic part of, of that series. Walking Dead, the highest rated, uh, most watched cable show that still I find people who haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, you're right there too. I see you. I mean, I've, I've seen some of it. Yeah. Uh, but Rick Grimes, that character, the arc that he went through going from a dad who just kind of, you know, in a coma, the journey to find his family and then surviving after that. So many, and that's played by Andrew Lincoln. Uh, we, I could talk about that whole cast. I won't, I won't bore you guys if you haven't seen it. Those of you who have seen it, you're like, okay, finally you mentioned it. Okay. I could do a whole podcast on walking dead someday. Uh, Jack Bauer uh, from 24, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, this is a series I need to go and watch because I watched bits and pieces. This was before I had a DVR back in the day, and it would come on. I heard a lot of people talking about it. Uh, it was must-see TV for people back in the early 2000s. Um, Jack Bauer, though, he he is a name. People just know who it is. You don't have yes. to say anything else, but you know what who Jack Bauer is. Every episode was a 24-hour sequence that he had to save the day. It's kind of like a modern MacGyver. Uh, so Jack Bauer. Liz Lemon from 30 Rock. Okay, Tina Fey, uh, very iconic character, very memorable. That was a great show, really well written. Yes. Uh, you could talk about that cast, too. It seems like all these people, obviously, are part of good casts. Uh, but Liz Lemon, uh, the perfect person. You, you want to love her. You want to You just find her adorable and funny. And the circumstances she gets herself put into is just uh, hilarious. Uh, what is that, three? Uh, I'm going to do uh, JD, okay, played by Zach Braff in the show Scrubs, okay? Okay. This is one. I don't. Did you ever watch Scrubs? No. It is a really great show, very well written. It's about uh, med students and doing their internships and residencies and stuff like that. Very funny show. Um, he's a great character on that. And then the last one, another comedy, but uh, one that I think people immediately recognize, Ray Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. Oh. Played by Ray Romano. It's kind of based on his life. So it's kind of, it's fictional, but it's also based on a true story, I guess. Uh, he just plays a great character. I mean, uh, that was that was the most popular comedy for years on network TV. And... Uh, very deservedly so. It was a family comedy. It was down to earth. It had good vibes to it. So Ray Romano, everybody loves Raymond. Making my honorable mention list complete. We're done. Wow. It felt good to be back. That was a lot to go through. It was a lot to go. I thought uh, we had to rush some of it too. Yes. Which is the, the, the bad part. So I, I want to say that just because some we didn't get to talk a lot about some of that back half doesn't mean that we were cutting them short. Right. Um, we just talked too much about the ones in the beginning because um, these are all great. They're all... No doubt, though, there's going to be some of you out there that feel like we may have uh, totally gotten it wrong. We expect that. Absolutely. So yeah. correct us. Tell, us. tell us where we missed the boat. Yeah, let us know. What did we do wrong? What did we mess up? Um, Find us on all the so on 
you can find us on the socials. We're admittedly not very active on the socials. <laughs> we have not been very active on the socials. We have not. That's uh, my New Year's resolution. Is it? Yeah, for Are 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Become more active on the 10 things socials. I've got plenty of time to work on that. Uh, hey, you can also, uh, this is brand new. You can find us now. We have a little website, okay? 10thingspod.transistor.fm. Okay, so we're we we have a new home in the podcast world. We're on Ooh. Transistor, so you can find some stuff on on Transistor. So, uh, yeah, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you find your happy little podcasts. Uh, you should do that. And uh, what else should they do? I guess review us. Yes, be be honest. We'll take it. Yeah, I mean, hit five stars, but then you can I was, say whatever I was you want. Say to. hit five stars and then tell us what you think. <laughs> Yeah, hit five stars and say, you guys suck. Okay, let us know. Uh, well, that was fun. We're going to do this again as often as we can. Stupid COVID. We're all done. But you know what? You're stuck at home. So why not listen to a podcast, right? Okay, well, that'll do it for today's episode. My name's Craig. I'm Aaron. We will talk at you next time. Hopefully next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>